Colossians chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead." And you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Looking, uh, excuse me, let no man therefore judge you in food, or in drink, or in respect of a feast day, or of new moon, or of a Sabbath day, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshipping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding his head from whom all the body, by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God." Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men. These things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Loving Father, we do give thanks to you and pray and ask for your blessing in the reading of the scripture and the hearing of it, that our hearts may be made ready to receive the things you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we come to this uh, last selection here, for this afternoon um, concerning philosophy and the deceit of men. Well, of course, there's a lot to be said here in this passage, and um, we're going to do as close a rendering of it as we can as we look at the entirety of it. But we find that there is a, a twofold warning, if you will, which both result in the wisdom of men rather than the wisdom of God. And uh, one of those warnings is against philosophy, that is, the love of wisdom. And the other one, perhaps we might say, is against the law of legalities, as one might be given to certain 
um, ritual and ceremony, uh, believing that it merits to them some measure of grace, when in fact it does not. So we find that uh, Paul makes these two uh, warnings here, and uh, we want to kind of enlarge upon them as we go through, uh, through them. First of all, we are warned against human philosophy, and uh, we find that philosophy is basically the love of wisdom, as uh, there are many who love to expand upon their human knowledge and wisdom and uh, try to impose that upon others. Also, uh, we are alive in Christ by the wisdom that is of God, not the wisdom that is of man. And, of course, he talks here about uh, the circumcision of the spirit rather than of the flesh, a contrast between the outward ceremony that was practiced in the first century and before, and um, to the what Christ came to do. Christ came to put off the body of sins of the flesh, and that is the spiritual element of circumcision, which Christ himself came to incorporate uh, in our life in Christ. And so we are buried with him in baptism, in which also we are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. A wonderful statement, isn't it? Through the faith of the operation of God. Kind of takes man out of the picture. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Number three, let no one conspire against your faith by false teachings. Well, we know that um, in the first century there were false teachers. The Gnostics were false teachers and they taught many things. And then there were those, of course, who taught the law and uh, believed that somehow they could mingle law with grace and that didn't work. And, uh, of course, the philosophers themselves were very much in in vogue and listened to. And uh, even the uh, Gnostics taught some strongly, uh, some doctrine of the worship of angels. As uh, he mentions here in verse 18, let no man beguile you of your reward in voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Well, this is basically saying what the fleshly mind will do with wisdom. It puffs itself up with it, and uh, purports itself to be more than what it is, uh, human wisdom, and it uh, is not, in truth, uh, the wisdom of God, and uh, nor is it the salvation which God offers through his word. And so these are the areas we'll look at as we go through this. Uh, First of all, in verse 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. And so we have here the idea of philosophy being called vain deceit, and also the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, after the very things that the world uh, likes to um, expostulate and talk about and say are so fundamental to their belief um, in their own wisdom but it's not after Christ. And so we know that even from the very beginning, um, why was uh, there such a great uh, 
rebellion, even in the Garden of Eden. You would think, well, here, at the Garden of Eden, there, there must be complete innocence and good faith uh, in the Garden of Eden, but it turned out not to be so, so with man, as man, um, in his own design, uh, transgressed the very commandment of God and partook of the forbidden fruit. Well, you could blame Eve all you want to, but Adam willingly took of the forbidden fruit along with his wife. So he was, uh, he was every bit as guilty uh, as she, and they both together fell into their uh, sin. Um, and so what happened from there? Well, we find that it didn't get much better. Um, Cain and Abel had their moment, and Cain killed his brother. Uh, and after that, of course... Um, we find that the uh, exile of Cain only led to more rebellion. And then the sons of God married the daughters of men, and you can make what you will out of that, but in evident, it is evident that it did not lead to something that was good, but led to rather a great rebelliousness of civilization to the point where God says it grieved him that he had made man. Now that doesn't sound so good, does it? And, that, and we can lay that at the foot of, of man and of, and of his own humanism and his own wisdom. Um, and uh, we find that uh, this, this kind of thing, of course, continues. Uh, that man in his own wisdom rebels against God. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. So we find that this is a warning that Paul gives, of course, uh, probably directly in light of first century uh, heresies and, uh, and false teachings, no doubt, but we know that it takes its root in the very fallen nature of man, and uh, uh, man is, uh, is subject to uh, this kind of thing. And so uh, man loves philosophy, he loves, uh, he loves wisdom, and of course, um, with uh, edu- education being such as it is, and knowledge being such as it is today, with the kind of technologies and everything we have exponentially, uh, we, find, we find that knowledge increases over and over in, se- in such a rapid way that, uh, well, you can't quite keep up with it, can you? Uh, even the computer has a trouble keeping up with it all. And uh, that is supposed to be the repository of wisdom. Well, you can sit at your desk in, in your office or in, at your kitchen table or in the living room and uh, take your laptop or your computer or whatever you happen to have, your cell phone, and you can access just about anything you want uh, all over the world. And if you have access to other uh, computer technologies uh, or repositories of information, we know that the knowledge uh, becomes much more, um, becomes greater and greater. That is the amount of knowledge that is out there. And wisdom. But we, you can't always trust it, of course. Now when it comes to those things which are of Christ and of, of God, we know that is the contrasting point, isn't it? We are not to have our, the wisdom of man uh, in any way that is going to uh, corrupt the true knowledge of Christ and who he is. Uh, So we find that even in the first century this corruption was going on, that is, they were corrupting the knowledge of Christ. 
there were those who were, were teaching other than the true deity of Christ. And the Gnostics especially did this. And of course, uh, we know that the Jewish, the Judaism did this as well. I mean, they didn't want to admit that Jesus was the, the Christ of God. I mean, that would be just, that would be undoing themselves. Uh, they didn't want to lose the, the, uh, their own religion. And uh, so they, they denied that. Uh, and so all of these, uh, these various uh, wisdoms of men and traditions of men, and of course traditions covered a lot of territory, um, we find that were not of Christ, were then against Christ. Uh, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Well, we find that Christ uh, is the true Son of God. Christ is the true uh, uh, member of the deity, of, of the head Godhead of, of God the Father. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And uh, the triunity of the Godhead uh, reveals that uh, they are co-equal, co-eternal, and uh, they are God. They, and they, they truly are uh, that Godhead which represents most fully our understanding of God, uh, even that the Spirit of God is God. And so, and it's, but it says, and ye are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. So here is, the, here is the true substance, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is in, in the Godhead, um, both physically, he, he came into the world as the incarnate Son of God, and uh, that he would be raised to newness of life, that is, he would have a resurrected body, and he would... He would then go to be with the Father and assume his proper glory with the Father in, in heaven. Uh, and so, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. And it says, we, because he is talking to the Colossian Christians, but by inspiration of the scripture, speaking just as much to you and I, ye are complete in him who is the head. The head of what? The head of the church. And, and so Christ is, um, uh, we find our completeness in Christ over against the philosophies and the wisdom of the world. We are complete in Christ. That is, we don't need to have the philosophies and, and the wisdom of the world to add to anything uh, that we know um, about Christ. Because the true wisdom of, of God comes through his revelation to us. And Christ is the fulfillment of all that revelation. So it says, And ye are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. Um, and of course we know this goes to the whole principle of, of angels as well as any other created beings. Christ is the head of all authorities and power. Um, and uh, in one place he said, All power and authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. So Christ uh, possesses all power, uh, and of course we, living in a, in a human fallen world, sometimes we have a tendency to forget that. But God has sovereignly, uh, sovereignly placed himself over all the earth, and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is complete in him in the Godhead, and he is the head of all principality and power. Um, in verse 11, 
uh, we're still on the first one, we are warned against human philosophies. In verse 11, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of sins by the circumcision of Christ. Now, that phrase right in there is the one that kind of tells the truth. In putting off the body of sins of the flesh. So each of us being born of a, of a, with a fallen nature, we know that we have a body of sin. That is, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And the wages of sin being death, physically and spiritually, we being separated from God, we find only through Christ do we have that uh, remedy against the fallen human nature and uh, our sins. And so that when Christ came into the world and uh, presented himself as the true Son of God, fulfilling the very will of God and plan of God unto redemption, we find that he did um, go to the cross and suffered, shed his precious blood, even as he was... Uh, it was foreordained that he should do so from the foundations of the world, we find that Christ uh, is the one who was able to put off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Our body of sin. Christ didn't have any sin. He was sinless. Uh, some people say, oh, he could have sinned if he, if he wanted to. How can God sin against how can God sin? You know, the, the, very, the very question itself requires us to question God. No, Jesus could not have sinned. He, he was the Son of God. He was not born of a human nature. He was born with the divine nature. And uh, so we find that uh, even though he had a human mother, um, we find that uh, it was uh, supernaturally, uh, as Genesis 3.15 and those verses there say, um, the seed of the woman? The seed of the woman? I didn't know the woman had a seed. She doesn't! <laughs> Only man has the seed. <laughs> the woman carries the seed uh, of the man. Well, you see, Christ did not come of the seed of man. The angel pronounced that uh, Mary would be with child of the conception of the Holy Spirit. No seed of man. Seed of God, the incarnate Son of God. So, you see, we, we, we have to put together the right pieces of the puzzle to come up with the true uh, identity, the true wisdom of God concerning the deity of Christ. And when we put together the right pieces of the puzzle, we realize that God intended that Christ should come into the world born of a human mother, but not a human father. And that he should be known as the Son of God because he came forth from the Father. And that he should be the one who would bear the sins of many because he came to die for that very reason. So here we have um, uh, Jesus Christ himself. Uh, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, verse 9. Verse 10, that we are complete in him. We, ye, you and I both. Uh, we, are, we are complete in him. Uh, who is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. And uh, since the natural circumcision only cuts away flesh, we find that the, the spiritual circumcision cuts away sin. And so that is the circumcision that Christ came to accomplish for us. He came to accomplish for us. 
He says, buried with him in baptism, in which also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Now that is a wonderful verse. Uh, a, a very wonderful verse tells us a lot of wonderful things buried with him in baptism well of course this baptism is that baptism which identifies us with the person and work of Christ as the true son of God um, nobody's been baptized in my name how about you? no only those who are baptized in the name of Jesus know that he is the son of God because they have come to faith in the son of God you see there is no baptism in the name of me or you or anybody else. Not even the Pope. No, there's only baptism in the name of Jesus Christ because he is the Son of God. And he is the one. That's why it is mentioned here. Buried with him in baptism in which also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. We are risen through the faith of the operation. We are made alive through the faith of the operation of David. No. God, through the faith of the operation of God. Now, we, that does not uh, take away, that does not take away our human responsibility. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It does not take away any human responsibility for us to say that we are saved by the faith of the operation of God. Because Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. It only underscores the fact that because we are responsible to God, he requires of us to believe what he himself is already working into our very hearts and lives by faith. It is the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. You see, Jesus became victorious over sin and death because of the resurrection. Yes, all else included, but because that happened, he truly was recognized as victorious over sin and death by God the Father. And he is recognized by others also because there's nobody else been raised from the dead by his own power and, and might. Why? Why? Because nobody else is the Son of God. Nobody else is, is the deity of Jesus Christ, having that deity. Nobody else is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Nobody else is the Christ, the anointed of God, from the Old Testament to the New, you see. And um, so... Uh, it's wonderful as Paul uh, makes all these clear statements that they become evidently very apparent, apparent to those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, and that the Spirit of God confirms upon us. Verse 13, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Uh, so he writes to the Colossians to say this to them. He says, you, you were dead in your sins. You were uncircumcised, that is, you had no spiritual circumcision. You may have had some physical form of circumcision, but that didn't count. And what did he, what did he do? What did God do? But God quickened you in the spirit. Why? Or how? By the faith of the operation of God. He quickened you in the spirit. Together with him having forgiven you all trespasses. 
together with Christ, Christ himself. We are made alive in Christ. That's who we are made alive in. We are made alive in Christ. And what did he do? He forgave us all our trespasses. Past, present, and future. That doesn't give us any license to sin. That just tells us that his, his sin for us, his, rather his, uh, his death on the cross for us, his atonement for us, was a once-for-all sacrifice for sin, as the book of Hebrews tells us. And so, uh, this whole area of um, a spiritual life in Christ, as opposed to the philosophies and wisdoms of the world, carries much more weight. Carries much more weight, you see. We are warned against human philosophy, because human philosophy, philosophy militates against this very truth of Christ. It militates against it. You ask anyone who's steeped in the wisdom of the world, they will not admit to any of these things that we have just looked at. They will not admit to them. They may give some concession to it. They may say, oh, well, it's, it's a good, it's a religious truth. It, it, you can't know it for sure. They'll say a lot of things, but they will not absolutely define anything because they can't. Because they're only operating on not faith, not the faith of God, but their own human understanding. And you being dead in your, in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he made alive, hath he quickened, hath he brought unto faith in Christ, you salvation, if you will, together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And then he goes on to the uh, recognition here that there are many who would uh, talk about uh, being alive because of the law. Uh, we are alive in Christ by the wisdom of God. So that's where we are in verse 13. In verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, kneeling it to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphantly, triumphanting over them in it, and so these are the things, you see, that, that the true operation of God and the, uh, the, the work of Christ upon the cross has accomplished for us. He has blotted out the handwriting of ordinances against us. Previously in the Old Testament, of course, the ordinances were very important. Um, believers in the Old Testament, those who lived by faith, showed their faith by obeying the ordinances, if you will, Statutes, commandments, ordinances of God. They were there for a reason, and God, uh, God required them to do it. But when Jesus came as the full and final sacrifice for our sin, the one who blotted out these uh, ordinances um, made possible the work of grace in our hearts by his own work upon the cross. And so blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, uh, as if uh, being nailed there by 
right with Christ himself. Here is Christ. He is nailed to the cross. And he died upon the cross. And with him, with him, the handwriting of ordinances, the, with him, any work of any work that goes on that man would, would believe is, is of his own working. God nailed it there. He said, no, it, it, you, you are not saved by works of righteousness which you have done. You are saved by the righteousness of Christ. Uh, so we find that Christ has accomplished much upon the cross and by way of, of uh, canceling these, these things that man would lean upon. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it, let no man therefore judge you in food or drink or in respect of the feast day or the new moon or Sabbath day, which are a shadow of those things to come, but the body is of Christ. So, there were, of course, there were many ordinances. There were many um, things that uh, they were required to do, washing their hands, and they could eat certain foods and couldn't eat other foods. And... Um, even the, the people that they were to associate with, as well as uh, certain holidays, feast days, those kinds of things, um, new moons and Sabbath days. And, well, we know they, they uh, didn't want to crucify Christ on the Sabbath, did they? No, because that was a part of the Jewish... They didn't want to defile the Sabbath. So we find that uh, there were many things that were that were looked to as the wisdom of man. And of course they, they, they began, even the Jews began to believe this. That is, that their wisdom was somehow from God. They, they, they began to believe this. It wasn't enough that the prophets told them what to believe and what, to, what was from God. They began to believe what was, you know, tradition. Tradition. Um, and so they, they put together many rabbinical teachings which became um, binding on them, which Christ said was not binding at all, um, which were a mere shadow of things to come. But he says here, the contrasting truth is this, but the body is of Christ, the body. The the body which Christ meant to, to establish through his own death, burial, and resurrection and death upon the cross, the church, if you will, um, by his own body would that uh, uh, grace and faith be established to bring one unto the true relationship with God the Father. In verse 18, um, as we move on, let no one conspire against your faith by false teachings. There were many who, who were conspiring in the first century. And even today, we find that this conspiracy, if you will, is uh, brought on through many different religions. Uh, I believe the big conspiracy today is New Age religion. Um, you know, 20 years ago, we would say, well... Um, the New Age religion is beginning to creep in 20, 30 years ago. Well, even perhaps, you know, back during the hippie period when the age of Aquarius was in. You know, uh, you know, it was 
on its way. But uh, today, I mean, it's, it's just accepted. They teach uh, young children uh, to do yoga in the classroom. Uh, well, these are stepping stones, are they not, to, to the New Age movement, to the New Age religion? I mean, you see more Buddhist statues in places that you never expected to see them before. They're everywhere, Every, Buddhist statues. Um, we, we find that, that all kinds of different religions have been integrated into the cultural norm of our society. Uh, where do all these piercings come from? Well, they don't, they don't come out of Christianity, that's for sure. It comes from every other religion or paganism that is known to man. Where do all these tattoos come from? They don't come from Christianity. No. No, they, 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 they come out of paganism and, and uh, all sorts of re, uh, religions of the world and, and various isms and, and teachings of mankind. Now, these are cultural things that have crept in. You know, the fact that, of course, society has, has uh, rejected God in many ways, you know, taking prayer out of school, taking the Bible out of the classroom, um, even trying to get the Bible out of the library and, and all of those kinds of things. But we find that it's more in our face all the time now with, with culture being ripped out of, uh, of Christianity and uh, we find that every pagan form of cultural thing is beginning to surface. And we, we know that much of the morality that we are seeing, the immorality that we're seeing today is a form of this, this cultural change. In fact, they, you know, they brag about it. Uh, the world brags about its, its change in culture, its acceptance, its, its um, inclusiveness in everything. And it uses all this, sometimes it uses terminology that seems very benign. But it isn't so benign as it might appear to be. It is just a word to say, we accept everything that people want to do and we don't question anything anymore. And we want to tear down every Christian norm or cultural norm that is, comes from a Christian background. We want to rip that out of society, and we want to replace it. And of course, I suppose the ultimate end to this is, uh, in the wisdom of the world, is to say, oh, we want a new world order. Isn't that the ultimate end of something? You, know, you want to reorder the world altogether. The, the world as it was wasn't good. We're going to redo it. And so what do we find? We find every kind of thing going on that there is to do. Um, I think transgenderism is one of those which is going to lead to the next thing. It's called transhumanism. And transhumanism, well, it started out that the, that the computer was, was on your desk and you couldn't move it. And then it went to your pocket and you could carry it around with you as a cell phone. And then they wanted to implant it into you. And now it's transhumanism is you're going to make the complete transition. It's making well, I think even the idea of binary people. You know, you you don't have a name, you don't have a gender, you don't have anything. You have a number. Is actually part of transhumanism. 
Because it makes you a non-entity. It just makes you a, a digit. You're a digit. And so what does that do? That rips, rips out the image of God in man and takes away the idea that we're responsible to God. Human philosophy and vain deceit. You see, it can, it can completely um, eradicate uh, true faith in God. If it were not for that the wisdom of God is greater than the wisdom of man. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So we, we know that this is true. He says, let no man beguile you, verse 18, of your reward in voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which are not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from whom all the body, by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. Now we know that verse 19 is referring to Christ. Uh, he is the one who is our head. He is the one who is the embodiment of tr the true wisdom of God to man. That otherwise man would not know unless God give it. See, man, man that cannot come up with this. Man, man has no ability to come up with the wisdom of God. It takes God to give that wisdom to man. And, and that's what God has done. God has given his wisdom to us. You see, but all these attempts by man uh, are futile. They're, they're vain deceit. They're the philosophies that we should not listen to. You know, first century, it was a bunch of people that, that thought they knew it all and were spiritualizing who Christ was and talking about angels. And, well, why shouldn't they? All the Greeks had a, had a mythological god of some kind. And so why not add another one? You know, and, and so they, they did. Um, but we find that the New Age religion today is, you know, you can pick any god you want in India. There's millions of them. New Age, the, you know, the New Age religion is, is uh, there's no, there's no, it's universal. It, the universal nature of, of uh, the New Age religion is just immense. Um, you can believe that the tree is alive out there and is your god. You can believe the water is, is, uh, has its own god and, and, uh, well, you have your spirit animal and, and he's going to communicate to you. And of course, the Indians, uh, the Indians were animistic a long time ago, believing in many spirits. Uh, you know, and all of this, uh, well, there's nothing new under the sun, is there? There's nothing new. But when these things do come up, we, uh, we find that it's necessary to say something about them. And of course, that's what Paul was doing. He was, he was preaching Christ. He was preaching the power of God unto salvation. He was preaching Christ, and that is what he is doing here. He is simply uh, uh, standing against the wisdom and the philosophies of men in the first century, which are still very in much in vogue today. And so, um, reading in verse 20, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Uh, like saying, well, if truly Christ has saved you, that he is the faith, the faith and operation of God has, has brought you to faith and life in Christ, pay no attention to these philosophers. 
Uh, pay no attention to ordinances which only bind one uh, rather than, than free a person from their sins. They bind a person in sins rather than free them. Uh, touch not, taste not, handle not, you see, um, he mentions here. Verse 22, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. And so you can kind of summarize it by saying the philosophies of man, whether they be of the philosopher or of some spiritual order or some law-based group or of any kind of religion, uh, if they are not of Christ, then they are of men and they are doctrines of men. Well, sometimes even that claim is levied against uh, those who believe in God. Into, in Christ. Sometimes they say, well, you believe in the doctrines of men. Well, you know, we can be rather strict at times, can't we? We can confine people with spiritual uh, straitjackets. We have to be careful about that, don't we? Because we can do that. And even though we don't have any right to do it, but there are some things, of course, in the Word of God that require us to be sanctified and holy unto Him. And that we should pay attention to. Verse 23, these things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Well, as we consider philosophy and the vain deceit of men, we find we don't have to go too far to find that these things still are very much uh, at play even today. And we should always be watchful that we are truly worshiping the Lord and not other deities or angels or principalities or powers or anything but Christ. And uh, that doesn't mean we throw out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak, as the term is sometimes used, but that we do be true to the word of God and to who Christ truly is in saving faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and not of works, lest any man should boast. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we thank you for your words to us. Lord, I pray you will instill these thoughts in our hearts and minds to remain true to our true Savior and Lord, and the one who is the head of the church, who is Christ himself, the one who by the faith of the operation of God did a great work in the hearts and lives of all who believe and have truly been freed from their sins by the blood of Christ. Lord, we give thanks and praise to you for the blessings you give. In Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.